0: Good morning, Revo Church. Thank you guys so much for worshiping with us this morning. For all you guys checking us out online, thank you for crashing the party with us as we have the opportunity to celebrate communion together as a church family. If you guys don't know me, my name is Josh, and I'm one of the pastors here. And before we get rolling, I'd like to tell you a little bit about myself. My wife Amy and I, we have been married for almost 16 years. And we have four kids, and they're 11, 9, 7, 7 and six. I think I got that right. And, and we met at NC State University. And one of the first times that we met, uh, it was at, uh, it was this fall day. It was a little bit cold outside. Actually, it was it was pretty cold outside. And, and we were there, and it was my friend's birthday. And at the place we were at, there was a swimming pool. And my friend said, hey, I I want to go swimming. And I said, all right, let's go do that. And so I I didn't have anything to go swimming, so I just jumped into the swimming pool. And and it was freezing. I was cold. I got out soaking wet. Amy looks at me out of the corner of her eye, and I'm thinking she's looking at me in love, and she's just shaking her head like this. And so for 16 years, she's been looking at me like that um, ever since, just shaking her head like that. One of our first conversations was actually about breakfast biscuits. We were discussing the differences between Biscuitville and Bojangles. In fact, if I remember that first conversation, Amy actually told me that she was going to marry her boyfriend at the time. Huh. Looks like I won. Uh, In our relationship, it began to progress, and we started to get serious. We were going on dates, and it was time. I was getting ready to drop the L-bomb. I was getting ready to profess my love for Amy. I was going to tell her the L-word. And so I had this whole thing planned out. It was going to be Valentine's Day. I was cooking. I only knew how to make one thing. It was chicken parmesan. So that's, that's really all we got. But I set the whole environment out. A big picnic blanket in my living room. I made a fire in our fireplace. I, I went out and I got candles. I bought flowers. I got cheesecake from the Cheesecake Factory. Amen. And, and I, I get it all set up. I'm finishing dinner. Amy walks in and so the dinner starts. The whole time I'm thinking to myself I got those bubble guts going on and I'm thinking to myself how am I gonna say this what am I gonna do am I just gonna blurt it out I love you am I gonna mumble it under my breath so in case she doesn't say anything I'm just gonna be like I love you and she's gonna say what did you say nothing honey don't worry about that because see I'm a worst case scenario kind of person it's just who I am and I had some bad experiences with saying I love you in the past to some people this one time I said I love you and this girl said okay Another time, I told somebody, I love you, and they said, thanks. But the worst time, the worst time, I said, I love you to somebody, I said, I love you, and they said, don't say that. So I'm thinking that if Amy doesn't say those things, if she says anything other than those things, it's a win. I'm thinking, well, if Amy doesn't say anything at all, it's a win, If Amy chokes on a piece of cheesecake and I have to do the Heimlich maneuver and save her life, it is a win. And so dinner passes and dessert passes and eventually I just say it. I say, Amy, I love you. I declared my love for her. Fortunately for me, she said it back. And then it was at that moment that our relationship changed forever. What about you guys? When was the last time you were nervous to tell somebody that you love them? Uh, What about you all that are in a relationship? Who said it first? Or I know you guys can go ahead and raise your hands high if you're waiting on someone to say I love you. Anybody willing to do that to help our single Pringles? No? During the first service, my daughter actually raised her hand. She's 11, and I said, put that hand down. (laughs) What, What if I told you guys that you and I are designed, that we're made by God to love? And it's not just enough to love, it's what we do with our love that matters. This morning, I want us to look at three questions about our love. I want us to look at who do we love. I want us to look at how do we love. And I want us to look at why do we love. Because I believe that it's what we do with our love and how we answer those questions that very well could change everything. We've been in our summer series walking through the book of Exodus, and if you guys remember, where we left off is the Israelites were in slavery, and Moses was the man chosen by God, and he was going to lead them out of slavery. And, but I don't, I don't want to spoil anything for you, so if you guys don't like spoiler alerts, go ahead and plug your ears. That's not where we're at this morning. We're actually going to fast forward in the story. And so if, if you don't want spoilers, now's your chance. Plug your ears. All right? The Israelites get out. They get out of slavery. Moses actually leads the Israelites out of slavery through some of the craziest circumstances in the entire Bible. And we're going to pick up their story today, and they're on the edge of the promised land. They're on the edge of the land that God has promised, and Moses is still their leader. And he's looking at them, and he's saying, I'm going to give you guys some last-minute directions, give you just some last-minute advice before we go and take this land. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6 this morning. If you guys don't have a Bible, don't don't worry about it. You can open it up in our app, and you can follow along. Our notes will be there, or you can follow along. Our words will be on the screen. And we're going to look at one passage this morning. It's actually one of the most famous passages in all of the Bible. When Jesus was asked, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? He actually kicked it to these verses. And so we're going to check them out now. It's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. This is what it says. Israel, listen to me. The Lord is our God. The Lord is the one and only God. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Love him with all of your strength. Moses is looking at his people and he's saying, Hey, you got to snap out of it. You got to pay attention. You got to look at me now. Go ahead and take out those stone tablets and chisels. Get out your notebooks, your pen, your paper. Take out your phone. Start texting yourself. It's time to pay attention. You got to listen up to what I was doing. Here we are, Moses is saying, edge of the promised land. You want all that? You want what God has for you? You got to pay attention and listen to me. But it's not just listening that Moses wants. For, for you parents in here, when you tell your kids to do something, do you just want them to listen to you? Do you look at your kids and say, hey, kid, take out the trash? And you want them to point to their ears and be like, nah, I got you. I hear you. I hear you, mom. I hear you, dad. No. When I tell my kids to do something, I want them to listen and do it. Kids, take out the trash. I want a yes, sir, and then for them to stop what they're doing and go do it. That's what Moses is saying here. It's not just enough to listen to what God is saying because Moses knew that when we listen to God, we have to do what he says. In fact, there was no other word for obey in the Bible. Listening and obeying, there were two sides of the same coin. See, Moses knew that listening and obeying the Lord was all about giving respect to the one that's speaking. Whether or not that's a, a teacher or a parent or a pastor or a friend, And so Moses is looking at him. He's saying, Guys, listen up, Israel, listen to me. And so if I'm the people, I'm sitting in the audience and I've got my stone tablet out, I got my chisel, I got my hammer. I'm like, All right, Moses said, Listen, I'll listen. I want to get to this promised land. What's he going to say next? What's he going to do? And so we look at verse four. He says, Israel, listen to me. Then he drops some knowledge on them. The Lord is our God. The Lord is the one and only God. Moses is reminding them, Hey, guys, you know the Lord, the God. I imagine Moses looking at them and saying, "Hey, you remember the guy that I told you about? You remember when I told you I was in the wilderness?" And we went around and, and I told you about this bush and it was on fire right here, and it was burning, but it wasn't burning up. And this person spoke out of me, spoke to me and said, "Hey, I am is sending you." I came back and told you, guys, you know what you did? You laughed at me. You made fun of me. That is the Lord." He's saying, the Lord, you know the one, the one that did what he said he was going to do, the one that through all of these miraculous happenstance and circumstances, all the things that he did brought you to the edge of the promised land where we are right now, just like he said he was going to do. He is the one true God. But Moses doesn't just use any name for God. He actually uses an insider name for God. Like they're on a first name basis. Maybe even they're BFFs, besties. And the reason is, is because Moses has had his, his life influenced by God. Moses has had a relationship with God. He's seen God show up time and time and time again. And so now, he and God, it's personal. It's close. And he's saying, that God, the God that's personal to me is personal to you. And he's saying, he is the one true God. Do you know what's not personal? What's not personal is when my cell phone rings. And usually I don't pick up numbers that I don't recognize, but I'm a pastor at a church. And so when, when, my phone, when my phone rings and there's a number I don't recognize, I pick it up. One of you guys might be in trouble, right? So I pick it up and I say, hello. And on the other end of the phone, they say, hello, we were just calling to talk to you about extending your car's manufacturer warranty. Right, that's, that's not personal. They don't know me. They don't know my car doesn't have a warranty. It's not personal. But Moses is saying, guys, Listen up. The Lord is our God. You know the Lord. Remember when he provided for your every need? Remember when he said what he was going to do, and then he did what he said? That is the Lord. So here's a question for you this morning. Who is Lord? I mean, who is God to you? Who is the Lord of your life? If we were to look at how you spend your time, or your talent, or your treasure... What would that say about what is the Lord of your life? You know, there's all kinds of things that are competing for that in our life right now. It was no different for Moses in his time. He said, Israel, look at all these guys in the promised land. They're worshiping all kinds of people, all kinds of things, but we have the Lord, the one true God. We can look at the people in our lives today, and we can see in the places where we live, work, eat, play, study, and shop, people are worshiping themselves. They're worshiping ideology. They're worshiping relationships or career or money and on and on and on. So before we come to communion this morning, I want us to wrestle with who is our Lord? But Moses doesn't just leave them there because remember, he said, listen and obey. And it's hard for me to listen and obey just a statement of fact. I'm like, so what? What do I need to do? But this is what he does. We'll continue on. This is verse 4. Israel, listen to me. The Lord is our God. The Lord is the one and only God. And then he drops some knowledge on them beginning of verse 5. You should love the Lord your God. You see, once we realize who or what is Lord, then we realize that that is the one true God. Our only response is love. But that's a really misused, maybe overused word in our language today. You see, we love a lot of things. A college football season is getting ready to come up and you guys love your college football team. Some of you guys will paint yourself head to toe in one color or multiple colors and you say I love this team. What about if you follow the NFL or college football and your entire fall season, September almost through the end of the year will rise and fall on the performance of strangers on a Saturday or a Sunday? Is that love? It was Amazon Prime Day just, just this past week, and we got some killer deals on Amazon, and we love a good deal. Do you know what, do you know what I love? Do you want to know what I love? I love ice. I, actually, I'm a bit of an ice connoisseur. You, you, could, you want to know who, who has the best ice in Winston? Chick-fil-A. Dario. Wrong. Not Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Dario. Dario has the best ice in Winston. You can, you can ask my R group that every Monday night, my car finds itself in the Dario drive-thru. And for 43 cents, I can get two large cups of ice. So I tell the guy taking my order, hey, man, I just need two cups of ice. And he's looking at me like I'm kind of insane. And I'm like, no, that's it. I'll see you later. Uh, I get those two cups of ice, and I'm double fisting, chowing down on them on my way to R group. I love Dario ice. You see, we love all kinds of things. And what? Here's the question that you need to know this morning. What or who do you love? Who do you love? Is it the Lord? Because Moses is building the case right now. He's saying, if you realize the Lord is the one true God, then you have to respond in love. And it's not enough just to feel love. We have to show it. I can't just tell my kids, kids, I love you, and not do anything for them. We have a lot of teachers that call Revo home and they say they love teaching and love their students. But it, they can't just say that and then mail it in Monday through Friday. No. When we love someone, we want to show it. Kids have to be nurtured, students taught. So fortunately, Moses doesn't leave us guessing on exactly how to love. He actually lines out a couple of ways that we can love God this morning. So we'll read it again. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Israel, listen to me. The Lord is our God. The Lord is the one and only God. You should love the Lord your God. And then here he gives us three ways. With all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. So we're called to do what? We're called to love. We're called to love who? The Lord, the one true God. And we're called to love how? Three ways. With all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. So let's look at the heart. To understand the heart, you really need to know that in Moses' time, they didn't have anything about the mind. They didn't know that we had brains, and that's where we thought. So the heart was the center of all the human intellectual activity. The heart was where all of your feelings were, all of your knowledge, your understanding, your wisdom, discernment. All of that took place in the heart. For Moses, the heart was where you thought, where you felt, and where you made sense of the world. It's where you had all of your affections. It's where all of your affections and motivations were birthed that then made you make some decisions in your life. It was the center of human existence. It's actually where we get the phrase half-hearted attempts, or we'll see someone do something halfway, and what will we say? We'll say their heart wasn't in it. Here's an example. Take my boys. So uh, we have two boys, and I don't know if you guys know this or not, but boys are disgusting. I'm a boy, well, I'm a man, but I was a, I was a boy once, and I wasn't disgusting. My boy's nasty. Amy and I, what we do, we ask them to do two things every week. Put away your laundry and clean your room. And we'll go into their room, and it will look clean. The floor, nothing on it. The beds are made. Dressers decluttered. And I think, they've done it. And we're leaving the room, and, and then I see out of the corner of my eye a sock that's poking up out of this dresser drawer. That's, that's odd. And so I pull open the dresser drawer, and this is what they've done. They've taken all of their clean clothes, both of them, all their socks, underwear, shirts, pants, shorts, everything, put it all into one drawer and closed it fast as they could. So now I'm tearing through their room. Like, I'm looking at everything. I open up and go under their bed, and I see it's, it's wet towels, it's dirty dishes, it's... Um, their shoes, its papers, the closet, more of the same. Why do they do this? Because their heart wasn't in it. I I don't know where you guys are at in loving God this morning. But if I'm honest, I bet that there are times, I know there are times in my life when I love God, but I'm doing it half-heartedly. I know that there are times when I'm loving God, but my heart's not in it. I guess that's why it says in Proverbs chapter 4, above everything else, guard your heart. Everything you do comes from it. Or in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things. The Bible later says that the only way to follow the Lord is to create in us a new heart, to remove our heart of stone, to give us a heart of flesh. It actually talks about surgically removing the evil that's in our heart, to create in us a new and clean heart, which is why when we love God, it starts in the heart. Our heart is where character begins and ends. The only way to devote our whole selves to God, all of our feelings, all of our failures, all of our affections, all of our desires, all of our thoughts, it's to give God all of our heart. And so this morning, before taking communion today, would you guys make the decision with me? Would you guys resolve, make the decision ahead of time? No more half-hearted attempts at loving God. That when you love God this morning, let's love him with all of our heart. And so we love him with all of our heart, and then the next one is we love him with all of our soul. And I can understand a heart, like I could feel a heart, I can draw a heart, not very well, but I can draw a heart. I could take my heart out and I could squish it. There are people that operate on hearts, but a soul, what's that? Because when I think of soul, I'm thinking of this ghost-like spirit animal caged up inside of me, ready to burst out when I die. I'm thinking about the ghosts that are on Scooby-Doo and they're walking around or when I'm watching TV and someone has a near-death experience and their spirit is rising up in the air and then all of a sudden they get resuscitated and boom, they're back down. That's what I think of when I think of soul. But Moses didn't have Scooby-Doo and I don't think he had TV. And so for Moses, that was a little bit different. For the soul for Moses meant all of you. If the heart was where all of your motivations and your actions and your feelings and and all that was, then your soul, your soul was all of your physical self, all of your mental self, all of your emotional self. In short, the soul was all of you. When I love my family, I love with all of me. I love my wife Amy, and when I love her, I love her with all of myself physically, with all of myself mentally, with all of myself emotionally. It's really like a longing that I have to be with her and to spend time with her. So when you look at love from a soul, it's a, it's a longing that we have. Psalm 42 actually describes it like this in verses 1 and 2. It says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for the living God. So on a physical level, we could be thirsty and walk around and say, water, water. And just like we have that physical thirst or that physical hunger, that's a longing, it's a metaphor for how much we should love and want to be known and know God. So when we long for God, we long for Him. We long for His very presence more than we long for anything of this world. We long for time with Him. We long for Him and His presence more than the pleasures of the world, more than the desires of the world. We long for Him with something so much in our soul that it consumes us, every thought, every action, everything that you do. It's like when I drive down Stratford. You guys have been down Stratford, right? And you're going down Stratford Road, and, and you look, and out of the corner of your eye, you see the red light on at Krispy Kreme. You're like, it's about to go down. <laughs> and so you, your car does a U-turn, and, and I'm in the parking lot, and all of a sudden I walk into Krispy Kreme, and what do I see? I see those Donuts. And they're coming out of the oil, and they get flipped over, and they got that gorgeous tan on them. And then they get up on that conveyor belt, and they're getting ready to go under the waterfall of glory to get baptized in the nectar of heaven. And those donuts get around on that conveyor belt, and then your man's right there, and he's separating out the rejects like wheat from chaff. And I'm up at the cash register, and I'm like, hey, man, I need a dozen. It's just me. Don't look at me, because why not? And he's getting ready to close the box on my dozen. I'm like, hey, hold on. I take my hand, grab it, the fingertips almost burning off because the donut is so hot and now and the whole thing goes in my mouth and it just melts in my mouth. Because the minute I saw that sign, I had a longing for that donut. The second I knew they were hot and now I knew I was going to have some. So just like I long for those Krispy Kreme donuts, especially when that red light's on, and to love God with all of your soul means to long for him. To devote your whole existence to him, all of yourself, all of your abilities, all of your capabilities, all of your limitations, all of your failures, all of your choices, all of your actions, loving God with all of our soul is to place our desire for God more than we desire anything else in the world. So Moses finishes it out here. We're going to start again in verse 4 and look at it. He says, Israel, listen to me. The Lord is our God. The Lord is the one and only God. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul. Love him with all of your strength. So we're called to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul. And last, we love God with all of our strength. And it's not strength like, welcome to the gun show. Moses sitting flexing to me like the promised land. It's over there. And everybody's like, yeah, strong Moses. Strength is not like stacked, jacked, or yoked. God's not saying love me and then get in the gym and move heavy things. No, it really really means very or much. For any English nerds out there, I'm a bit of an English nerd, so I kind of geeked out about this. It's an adverb. And an adverb is meant to, ironic enough, strengthen or add to words. This same word for strength is actually used in Genesis one thirty one When God looks at all of creation and he says, it is very good. It's that same very there that Moses is using right here. So when we love God with all of our strength, it would read, love God with all of your heart, love him with all of your soul, and then love him a lot, very much, with all of your muchness. So loving God with all of our strength, Is loving him with everything, all that we have. When we love God with all of our heart, we love him with all of our desires, all of our thoughts, all of the dark places in our heart that have been changed, all the evil taken out so that now we have a new and clean heart that's fully devoted to God and we love him with all of our soul, that means now we're loving him with everything that we have. All of ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally, everything we watch on TV, everything that we listen to, all the decisions that we make and the actions we take. That's when we love God with all of our soul. And now we love God with all of our strength, which means when we do that, we do it with everything we have. But here's the question that I have for us today. Why? Why do we love? Because I believe that the answer to that question is what brings us here to communion this morning. I believe that the answer to why we love the Lord actually begins here. Why do we love God with all of our talent and our time and our treasure? Why do we love God with all of ourselves? Because it says in the Bible, in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that while we were still sinners while we were on the other team, while we were totally and completely against the Lord, Christ died for you, and for you, and for you, and for you, and for for me. Because the Lord, not one of many, but the one, the one true God desires a relationship with you and me. He created us to love him, but this is what we did instead. Instead of loving God, this is what we did. We sinned. We ran away. We quit. We looked at the life that God has for us, and we said, I don't want a part of that. I don't want any of it. I want my way, my life, my actions, my thoughts. We said to God, I want what I want. We said, we looked at creation, and we said, God, I'm going to love creation more than I'm going to love the creator. And so what did God do for us? This is what he didn't do. He didn't give us what we deserve because we deserve death. The the wages of sin is death. The punishment we deserve is death, but Jesus, but Jesus came to earth. He knew no sin and he took on sin for you and for me. And he said, because of my love for them, I'm gonna stand in the place. I'm gonna be a substitution so that now I can have a relationship with God. Jesus took on the place for you and for you and for you so that you can now love God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. So why? Why love Jesus? Why love God? Why do we love him? Because without him, without the sacrifice of Jesus, we're lost. We're awaiting the right punishment for our sin. But Jesus he took that on willingly for you and for me and it's because of that that we love. And so right now the band is getting ready to play a song and I just ask that you guys remain seated. You you guys have an opportunity to reflect. Think about who do you love and why do you love? How do you love? And after that I'll come back up and I'll be able to lead us through communion together as a faith family. In your seats, there should be some communion elements. If you guys can look in the seat in front of you or maybe in the seats when you came in. For all of you guys joining us online, just take a minute and get your elements together. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. There's nothing magic about this uh, communion kit. Mountain Dew and Cheez-Its will do cereal and Coke, a donut and some juice. Uh, the magic isn't in what, what we have in front of us, but it's in remembering the Lord who is so worthy. So you guys can go ahead and peel back the top part and then take the bread out. And in Matthew 26, Jesus gathers his disciples together for a last meal before he is going to be nailed to the cross for your sins and my sins. And he says, look, at this bread says he takes the bread and he breaks it he gives thanks for it thanking God for the punishment that's going to come on him that's deserved for us and he passes it around says this bread that is broken it represents my body that's broken for you and for you and for you and for you for you for you for me so every time you eat of this bread remember what I've done for you. That's what we do this morning. In the same way he took the cup He said, look at it. Look at the color. It's dark. It represents my blood. Jesus said it represents his blood that's going to be poured out for the forgiveness of the sins of the whole world. What that means is that Jesus knew your sin when he was taking that cup and giving thanks for it. Before he went to the cross, he knew the sins that you had. He said, every time you drink of this cup, remember me and what I've done for you. And so we do that now. Lord, you are so good that while we were your enemy, while we were still sinners, you came to die for us. We were on the other team and you pursued us. You loved us. And it's because of that and what you've done that we can have a right relationship with you. And so, Lord, it's my prayer today that we would wrestle with and know who is our Lord. That we can critically look at our life and ask ourselves, who are we worshiping? Who do we love? We can look and say in our relationship with you, God, how are we loving you? Are we loving you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength? And God, that we leave here today and we remember why we love you. Because you first loved us. May your love for us go with us throughout this week. May it change the way that we act, think, and do everything in our lives. May we love you, God, with all that we have. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at